Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 105.3 FM HD2. Kenner, New Orleans. It's the Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmorris. Nice to be here with you and also with Marianne. And uh, all of Hi. us are enjoying ourselves here. And Gregory is here, too. And Gregory Hello, is here I'm too? still here. Oh, Gregory I'm, is so titillated to talk about these fancy schmancy restaurants. We were Go trying ahead. to pull together all fancy those uh, lyrics, all those lyrics for fancy. all those uh, those uh, Hawaiian. I'm uh, one of those people that ruined restaurants like that. Yeah, well, I'm so. glad you are because <laughs> that was something that New Orleans needed, and it really needs another one like that. I don't think that'll Hello? ever happen. Yeah. Okay, well, so let's go. Well, okay, so Lascal was well, but, the predecessor but to Louis XVI. That was even higher end than Louis the Sixteenth was. Sure. Yeah, it but they're, they're both the Smith brothers or Smith. Who, yeah, who yeah, the Smith most, had. Uh, yeah, they yeah. owned both hotels, the St. Okay, Louis and the uh, St. Anne at the time. I or the see, and yeah. and they also had the Marie Antoinette too. Yeah. Um, at mm-hmm. at that time, the reason why I know this is not only was I a patron, but in college I actually worked there, and uh, so I had an inside look at it, and that's how I first fell in love with fine wines and fine dining. I said, boy, oh, boy, I can't wait to have enough money to come here and eat myself. <laughs> but, but, no, but what really makes a great institution like Louis XVI was, and I, and I believe it was, it was like 28 years. All, it, if you put it all together, it was about 28 years. It, it had its run in both locations. But there was one guy in particular, the maitre d' of that place for oh, like 25 years was a, was, a, was a very distinguished guy. His name was Antoine Comenzulli. Perhaps you remember him, Tom. Antoine. I, I do remember him. And you, you know what he his was, last gig was? I don't know. I don't know. Commander's Palace. Of... He was at Commander's well, that... Palace running the front door for quite a while. Uh, well, that was perfect. But then he retired. Him. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know he put he put both of his kids through school because I went to school with one of his sons at Brother Martin, and uh, I think one of them's a dentist and the other one's a doctor. Talk about a guy driven by um, detail, detail, detail. He was a French Tunisian. I mean, totally French, but his parents, I think, were in diplomatic corps, and he was raised in Tunis. Um, however, he came to New Orleans at a, you know, I think he, he was in his 20s. I think he came here to go to school, too, at Tulane as well. But talk about a... He was a, about details. He knew just how to sharpen a knife, for example, how to savor a bottle of champagne, just how to slice that um, that salmon, wait, you know, paper thin so you could read a newspaper through it. And he, would, he was very adamant about teaching all the waiters and assistant waiters and the captains how to do this stuff. This and, was um, – uh, uh, It was uh, an education. Really yeah, I was. know. What, what I'm trying to get to here is that that salmon you're talking about – this was smoked salmon, and they smoked it yeah. themselves, and it was extremely elegant. Elegant, and, uh, and they really did a groblox too, and they also did a groblox too. That Gregory they is so excited, I'm worried he's going to soil himself. Go ahead. No, <laughs> no, no, I'm not, because um, 
I think you're probably going to get a few other callers that do. I mean, even if you ate there once, it was a memorable occasion because it was just done with such taste and such a um It wasn't fanfare. It was just you kind of expected it to be that way. And, uh, I mean, they, I mean, there was... There wasn't a blotch on a napkin, you know what I mean? I mean, it was just, yeah, I'm sounding like a yeah talking about an elegant French restaurant. But it's it, an interesting course, thing. When, when, when I was there, um, Daniel Bonneau had moved on, and there was a chef in the interim, and unfortunately he died rather young, and he was quite good. He actually got a Dorona Award uh, for Louis XVI, and then Agnes Bellet came on. And she she's was who? still there. She, and oh, she's, Agnes Bellet, okay. Uh-huh. She Agnes is still Bellet. there, you know. Talk about uh, a terrific person. Talk and talk about somebody who knows her food. She was from the um, from the Côte d'Azur, you know, the Marseille Nice region. Boy, she knew her seafood mm-hmm. and she knew how to make a Chateau Briand. And uh, of course, the Bifolington. And they also had a they had an unusual um, filet mignon. They called the Saint Hébert, which they would marinate in oh, uh, you, in uh, wine overnight with you garlic have and shallots now. and all that. I've, I've never uh, heard of that. What is it? It's a, it's a, it's a, like a 16 ounce filet mignon, and it's it's um, marinated in uh, red wine. It's uh, burgundy, burgundy. She would oh. always use a coteron with shallots, garlic, and herbs, herbs de Provence, and they would let that sit for, for 24 hours. And then you know there was always like a dozen of them in the cooler ready to go. You know they didn't want to make too many of them. But the thing is, they were so red from the, uh, you know, from the from the from the wine, you really had to be a good cook to to know when it was, you know, when it was medium rare or or, or rare or or well done, you know. That you was finally just, that, uh, that you caught was, me with that because I've seen that dish, but I've never heard yeah, that it, name before. It, they, and, yeah, it was called uh, filet Saint Hubert. Oh, uh, yeah. Now that you say it, I it it all came running back to me. Uh, but uh, uh, that really was something. And the the marinade you were talking oh. about. They would give you like two or three pretty substantial uh, pieces of this, and then it would yeah. sit in the in the refrigerator for days. And yeah. it was so tender by the time you got to eat it that it was really different and and just I used fantastic. To, I used to love when I had um when I had off time watching chefs and 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 her assistants and her sous chefs prepare all these sauces from the demi glass that was going on for 48 hours you know what i'm saying Tom? yeah i mean it was right. it was just incredible talk about an education and then on the other hand you had antoine common giving me an education about wine talk about somebody yeah. who was a enophile and he was also a um, he was also a sommelier so mm-hmm. um even though i'm not one i could probably pass any test anybody gave me but yeah he that's was where uh... i really got my passion for uh, that stuff and then from the execution about how to dress a table how to make sure every place setting was just so, you know, yep. and, the, and the Garadon service. I miss Garadon service. I don't know why restaurants don't do that. I don't, because they don't Because, have, first of all, nobody knows what it is. Nobody, second, no. they, nobody don't, has, they don't care. Well, they oh, the Caesar care. salad. I'm sorry, oh, guys, oh, but it's, it's Tom, what? Tom, one more thing. The Caesar salad at Louis Sixteenth was yes. something to remember, too. Made you know, to all order. the restaurants do Cafe Brulee, uh, but, I mean, uh, Brulo and all that stuff. But I'm talking about when uh, they did that tableside Caesar salad over there, and I got trained how to use it, you know, just using a partially poached egg yolk and mixing with the garlic and the salt. And then, oh, no anchovy unless the customer wanted it, by the way. So <laughs> That's that's a fact because uh, 
Because uh, a lot of customers don't want have to. No yeah. well, <laughs> Julia Child, no less than Julia Child, said that all of the, that she knew uh, the owner, uh, the guy who created Caesar. Yeah. Caesar, Caesar and, and she knew him personally and said that Caesar said that there are no anchovies in exactly. a Caesar salad. Really? Yeah. Ah. And, and so, uh, so how did that get started then? Uh, yeah, I think there was a uh, to, to somebody like the saltiness of it, the, the uh, umami of it. I guess I don't know. Uh, I don't ever have Caesar salad with with anchovies. Anyway, that was a sight to be seen. I could talk about Louis the Sixteenth for for like a million years, of course. Yeah. But anyway, well, I um, think you could. But let me ask both of you the same question: If sure. Agnes Bellet is the incredible chef that you both mm-hmm. think She's she a is, wonderful and woman I've heard too, that yeah. from other places too. Why does no one know who she is? Well, for years, uh, you know, she was at Cafe J. Guy before she ended up at Louis XVI. And why? She doesn't really care about fame and all that stuff. She's been yeah. in a few cooking demos over the years. And she's she's a, she's, a, she's just a little country she's girl. Just quiet. She's just quiet. She's quiet, huh? She's quiet. She's very... Quiet, yeah. She's uh, apparently brilliant, though. Very, very Absolutely. In the kitchen, she's a master. She is. Yeah. She's just incredible to watch. And I Well, you know where she is her. now, huh? You know where she is now. I, I think she's still doing stuff for the uh, for the uh, St. Louis Hotel over there at Louis Sixteenth. I think she's, all they do is parties she, and brunches and stuff. She's um, with the group that owns. I think it's it's the Audubon Cottages Hotel Mazarin, whatever the name of that yeah. group is. I think I it's the New Orleans that. Hotel Collection. Uh, oh, she is okay. sort of their corporate chef, I think. Last oh, night, oh uh, yeah, she uh, gives all the. Advice. She's like an advisory, yeah. Kind of oversees it. Kind of, kind of like what, um, what's, uh, what's, what's, what's the lady who works for the Brennan Group who used to have Bo, uh, Baco, uh, Tom, you remember her, Haley. Oh, Haley yeah, Gable. yeah, Haley Gable, yeah, uh-huh. She's, I she's the corporate she chef for the, for the group. Yeah, she's yeah. the corporate chef for that group, yeah. Anyway. Well, I love this show, and I've talked too long. Thank you for letting me go on about Louis the Sixteenth. Well, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had the heart to stop you. Your passion was just jumping out of the phone, Gregory. I just happen to know that Tom loved it back then as much as I did. I know, I know. You and Tom. It's too bad that we you'd be the only customers. You had to wear a tie every night. You had uh-huh. to wear a tie every night. All right. Yeah. So long, anyway. kid. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. Two six zero six three six eight. If you are as passionate about Louis the Sixteenth or, or food that in kind of dining, then we'd love to hear from you. This is the day that Louis the Sixteenth opened and brought Danielle Bonneau, unleashed Danielle Bonneau onto New Orleans. <laughs> Where is he now? He's in France a lot, isn't he? Uh, who? Danielle. Danielle, Danielle Bonneau. Uh, I, every time I go there, I see her there. She's uh, she's Danielle? hardworking. She's Are you talking about Agnes or Danielle? Oh, I'm Agnes, sorry. Agnes. Danielle. Oh, I'm sorry. Agnes. My mistake. That's Agnes. Agnes. Yes, uh, Agnes. But uh, yeah. Okay. So. Anyway, we're uh, we were talking about Louis the Sixteenth and about fancy, fancy French food and a style of service that you will it's likely never comeback. see. Is it really? Yeah. Where, Tom? Okay. Where? Well, you discovered one of them. That place over there on Charter Street. 1500 Charter Street. No, Where? 1500. No, it's the that. Uh, Justine. Justine, yeah. Justine that's, isn't that's, doing that kind of service. Oh, I, 
Oh, well, maybe not quite. No. It's very French. It's very French. And, I mean, there's actually quite a few great little French places in town, but they're not doing that. I'm talking about that kind of service. I mean, if you're not going to see that at some place like Commander's, you're not going to see that again. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I'm sure some place in New York they're probably doing that. Nope. (gasps) Steve presents himself. Uh, I am here. The Food Show. Okay. I, I like I like a waiter that says you want to keep that fork for the next course. And I think that's a good waiter. <laughs> Steve, you know, you know that I've been looking that for I got to know which fork to use for this and that. Here, keep that fork because you're going to need it for your dessert or something like that. That's, Steve, that's gourmet for me. Yeah. I'm glad that you have presented yourself. I thought you were in hiding. No, no, no. I'm just Have you been listening so to the busy. show? I've been I've been so, summoning yeah. you to present yourself. Uh, I listen sometimes. I'm you know, I got other things going on in my okay. wonderfully exciting life. Okay, you well know? you know that you owe Tom an apology. For what? For what does he owe me an apology for? Because Tom was in fact correct about the Snickers. Oh, they say something different on every one. Okay, have you seen that? Have you seen that uh, really amusing campaign that they're doing, where they have someone who changes? Like the first time I saw it was um, the Brady Bunch, and you know, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> uh, it was it, they have a cup, a group of people, and then a person changes into that person, and, and they say you're grumpy if you haven't had. A Snickers. Have you okay. heard? Have you seen that? Have yeah, you seen that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. They have now decided decided to really up their game on that campaign, which is a brilliant campaign. I have to say so myself. You mean they're starting and it again? And all of the uh, emotions that are chronicled in that campaign are now on the Snickers bars. Well, what do you know? For a I limited will, time. Uh, for a limited I, time. I, I, okay, so I told I'll, you I'll give I you saw a li- that and nobody believed me. I'll give you a limited apology then. <laughs> a limited <laughs> what? apology? What, what's Wait, the limitation? Wait, why a limited apology? Because you said it's for a limited time that they're doing this. So well, I know, but I think it should limited. be a full-fledged apology. Okay, I'm on my knees right now. Okay, okay. Um, I apologize for once you were right. <laughs> you know, if I cared, I would accept. I'm going to. I'm looking now for the. Uh, I'm looking now for the list of emotions that you will see on Snickers bars, and I will. I will present it in just a well, minute. Well, Tom, you said if you really cared, I agree. I had my sur- my feelings surgically removed, and it has made life. <laughs> oh. Tom used to yeah. say when we first got married that he's as sensitive as a cold toilet seat, and I have to say he, that's true. <laughs> that is an accurate, an accurate portrayal of his uh, level, the spectrum of emotions that, that Tom that line can summon up. Anybody remember what the book was? I, I don't no, know. We don't. I don't know it's that very, I, very I don't know that I care to know. Okay. But go there ahead. Go. Some other people right. might go ahead. Huh? What book? What book is well, it? I want to see if anybody actually knows. It's one that every, oh. every everybody who uh, lived a life during uh, the 60s would know about this. Mm. Well, I was there, but well, that's not me. I'm that's I, I'm too young for that. 
<laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> the quote again, in case you missed it. Is, I don't like. I don't. I don't know if I like the level of um, excitement that you uh, evoked with that laugh. That was a well, guffaw. I'm the same age as you. That are, was so. a guffaw, and I I'm, I do not appreciate your guffaw. Go ahead. I'm the same age as you, so that's quite acceptable. Okay, I'm still looking, and as soon as I find it, I am going to I'm going to announce. Doug's running me off again. I know he does that to us too. All right, we have to take a break. Thank you, Bye, Steve. Bye, Doug. Two six zero six three six eight is the number you're listening to. Enjoy w- your Snickers. W L one oh five point three FM HD two. All right. I have the list now for the Snickers campaign. You have the what? The the list of the, the list Snickers, of the Snickers campaign. campaign. So you may likely see instead of Snickers yeah. on a Snickers bar, you could see the emotions cranky, <laughs> grouchy, confused, irritable, impatient, complainer, whiny, <laughs> carmudgeon, ornery, testy, snippy, Rebellious, feisty, sleepy, loopy, goofball, forgetful, <laughs> drama mama, dramatic, princess, and spacey. You you could likely see any of those on a Snickers bar uh, in lieu of the word Snickers. That's right. And I saw that just by accident. I, I, I don't even like Snickers. Yeah. But there, I saw one. I said, somebody screwed this up because that's not the name of Snickers. <laughs> and I picked one up, and I picked up another, and, and there were no two alike. Yeah. And I yes. thought, this will be a good thing to talk about on the radio, and well, it was that day. Yeah. And they kept charging away with it, and we've been uh, talking about it ever since then uh, with the uh, exception of some people who take me to task on that and say that's impossible. Well, but we have proven them wrong. Well, that very wrong, night, I tell you, that wrong. very night, we got an email from Thomas Corona, yeah, who sent in the article that I just referenced hmm. uh, about this campaign. Which is a clever, clever campaign, I'll if say. I, uh, I, I do say so. Anyway, two six zero six three six eight. My goodness, we do skip around. What do you it, mean? It's all under the loose, loose tent of food. But wow, we do cover some territory on this show. So if you would like to introduce yet another topic, then give us a call. Or we were talking uh, with some enthusiasm for sure about Louis the Sixteenth. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ultra a, a French restaurant. A lot of restaurant. other restaurants like that, yeah. I mean, back in the day. Yeah, but but that day is over, Tom. I think. I, I'll bet you. I'll bet you if you go to New York a lot and you dine out at really fancy schmancy kind of places in New York, there are probably maybe one or two restaurants in New York that are still doing that kind of service. But I can't imagine finding them too easily. I know a lot of people in New York City. They just uh, they dress up all the time. I'll tell you what, we can prove that easily. Okay. Right next to where you're sitting, yeah. uh, there are a bunch of magazines. Yeah. Uh, grab one, mm-hmm. and male or female, you will see that there will be a lot of very well-dressed people on the back cover or some other place of the New Yorker magazine mm-hmm. where the people really do dress pretty well. Okay. So, yeah, one of the few places. Here, let's see what we come up with. All right. I'm actually going to do it at random. Let's see. What's here's oh here. This one's kind of interesting. Yeah, 
It's a cartoon, actually. And on it is a guy who's wearing a suit with tie, standing up there with his, ha- his hands hanging down. And the, the what do you call the thing that you Caption? stand on? Caption. Oh, thank oh the you. pedestal? The pedestal. Thank you very much. Yes. I it know says, that because I live on one. A man, <laughs> yeah. a man for all seasons except winter or summer. Oh, that was the joke part of it. But there he is. He's wearing his jacket and tie. Let's pick another one just at random. But up, but up, but up. And people, oh, that's that's not even. I have a no thing. idea what you're talking about, Tom, because these cartoons have nothing to do with real life on New York and in New York. And I don't know what New York you're going to, but yes, but I don't. Cartoon. Yeah, I don't know if you've ridden the New York subway lately, but there's not a whole lot of, uh, well, of dressing up going. Well, on here's another one, and I just just grabbed it, and it depicts. Uh, a guy wearing a suit. He is with a, a lady who is really well dressed up. And then there is a whole, what looks like a whole turkey that uh, the waiter is holding on to. The waiter is wearing all except the coat of a jacket. And they are flaming something in the middle of the dining room. Now, if that's not classy, I don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. I don't know what I'm See looking that for look? either. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, two six zero six three six zero. I mean two three zero two six zero six three six eight is the number. What what did you say, Doug? What? Burnt turkey. Okay. Didn't he used to play for a <laughs> somebody up here? What what is that apropos of Doug? Oh, I see. Flaming turkey. I I don't know what he's... I was reading while Tom was talking, so I don't even... I I can't even uh, identify with that subject, whatever it was. Anyway, uh, going back to your almanac, which is sort of the basis for our show every day. Thank God for it. Uh, Happiness is finding three olives in your martini when you're hungry. That's a quote from Johnny Carson. Yep. I don't know anything about martinis and olives. I mean, olives in martinis. What What makes a dirty martini? A dirty martini is made when you take some of the water that the olives are sitting in. Yeah. In a, in a jar, usually, uh-huh. and you, uh-huh. you you dump that into the cocktail as you after you mix it, and then you put uh-huh. some of that in, and it's called the dirty. Okay, uh, so you never get that. your martinis never. dirty because you don't even like As, olives. Okay, uh, I eat your olives out of a martini, but but when you get a dirty martini. Does it kind of taste like olive juice? Uh, yeah, and a lot of people really love them. I, one of my best He's friends. He's kind of salty, uh, he, I would think. He, he, he drinks them all the time. Well, I would think that if I ever drank a martini, and I never will, yeah. um, the most you can get out of me is a sip. But I would imagine that I would be more inclined to drink a dirty martini yeah. than well, a clean a lot of martini do. because it would taste maybe somewhat like olive juice instead of uh, gin. I mean, I don't know how well, strong that flavor is. But, I mean, a, all I get out of to you, really. all I get out of a martini is gin, and I'm I'm not a, a huge gin fan. Well, uh, we are going to stop short of. Oh, it's funny the, that we're doing <laughs> the great. Huh? <laughs> Go ahead. What the 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 great uh, uh, poem on the subject of martinis? Yes, I was talking to someone about that just yesterday. We are, we cannot uh, do it on the radio. I, I think you've you, done it on the radio a bunch of times. I may have come to the thing of it. You've done it a bunch of times. Yeah. I love a this good This is Dorothy Marx, Parker, who Dorothy is Parker, just right. a brilliant wit. I love a good martini. One or two 
at the best. Most. Most. You have or to say most. No, most. you have All to right. say most because most rhymes with the last end of the of the poem. Tom. Okay, let's see how it goes. I love a good martini. One or two at the most. After three, I'm under the table. I, I can't finish this off. If you want to know the rest of this, uh, call me or bump into me at a restaurant, and I'll tell you. You must, you must for sure understand that it's 2019. There's stuff that your that kids are watching on television. That's, that's why far, I'm not going to. That's far to worse say it. than what you were just going to say. Actually, uh, Tom, the reason that that quote was in your almanac, and I'm getting to it from yeah. the bottom now, is that it's National Martini Day. Oh, today. is it? Yes, really? it is. <clears throat> and so you have something in here about James Bond mm-hmm. with his martini. Shaken, not stirred. And and with vodka, which is what kind of territory? Well, why? What does that What does that mean? Uh, a, a martini is a gin drink. Mm-hmm. It's not a now. A lot of people would prefer to have uh, their martini made with vodka, but I don't see the point of that because it doesn't really have any taste. Well, according to you, it says if you have good, really cold, pure, hand-cut ice, mm-hmm. a martini should definitely be stirred. stirred. Are they are they most often stirred or shaken? Uh, I think uh, probably more, more stirred than anything. I don't know. Uh, any bartenders out there? Would you call us and give us an answer? What is on the that? percentage of shaken versus stirred? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Give us a reading on that, would you? Uh, anyway, and, and let me give a, a, a little prize for doing this. If you if you're a, a real bartender uh, or a professional doing something at a restaurant, uh, call me and tell me. Uh, the answer to that question, how do you want your martini? Do you want it shaken or stirred or all that? And uh, once we're past that, uh, you know, take a few minutes of shooting the breeze about how great your place is. We'll let that go. So it being National Martini Day, you yeah. have quite a lot in your almanac about I do. about martinis. So according to you, yeah. the martini went out of vogue in the 70s. Something like that. And but started to be back in vogue in the 90s. I would say martinis are very hot right now. Very aren't very they? hot. And and I got hot on them, and I didn't even like them uh-huh. for a long time. But then uh, one day we went over to oh, what's the name of that great great place over on uh, in, in the French Quarter? Bombay Club. The Bombay Club. Yeah. The Bombay Club made a big big fuss about martinis Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the uh, number of martinis that were being sold were skyrocketing and everybody was drinking them again isn't that wonderful the bombay club could make anything cool could be it was a good place it's a raffish kind of place for sure and they haven't done anything to it um but there's something charming about it I have to say, it's um, it would be like a it would be like an oasis in in the quarter. It's a place that you could sort of hide out if you were, yeah, you know, having an affair or something. Oh, boy, that's the scariest prospect <laughs> I've isn't ever that, heard. Isn't that a place where you wait? Isn't that I know, huh? Tom? I know. Isn't there a place? Uh, isn't that a place where you get behind the curtain in the booths and stuff? Don't they have the booths with the curtains there? I think uh, they do. Where? In the Bombay Club. If they do, it's something new. I don't remember that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I know they have a lot of clubby little booths. Uh, I don't know if there are curtains in front of them, but it seemed like 
they do. And I love their Could little be. bitty teeny tiny courtyard. It's it's if you haven't been there, it's kind of worth stepping stopping in because it's a cool place. It mm-hmm. really is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, the artwork in there is particularly one uh well, it's very drawing. British. Very, very British. British. They yeah. had a have a drawing in the men's room, uh very nicely done with pencil. Pencil and, uh-huh. and paper. Uh, really, really quite a, a, a piece of work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. That's two six zero menu. We're talking about our usual, just the gamut of food. things that are even loosely related to food. You're listening to WWL one oh five point three FM H D two. We are back. Let me tell you about New Orleans hamburger and seafood. Yeah, a little bit coming from that direction. Yes. And we would love to hear from your direction, too, no matter what that is, whatever's on your mind, uh, culinarily speaking, or we can be a little less uh, propped up. And and, uh, ask you for anything that you might have on your mind about dining out, dining in, uh, cocktails, not-so-cocktails, glass of wine, you know, all of these things that make a difference in how happy a person you are. At least, I'm not saying that that's all it takes and that in order to uh, be a happy person, you have to drink and and all of that. It's just it's one of those things that You've you have at that your for thirty years at, at your disposal. Don't drink or eat enough. All of well, does <laughs> is it working for you? You seem to be a happy person. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. Two six zero menu. Uh, New Orleans hamburger and seafood is where you will find really great hamburgers, and mm-hmm. uh, that's why it's called that. They have an extensive menu of hamburgers. They will be crusty on the outside and juicy on the inside, or frankly, any way that you would like them to be. Mm-hmm. You can have them dressed any way that you would like. They also have uh, wonderful seafood. It is greaseless and golden brown and really hot when it comes to the table. It is uh, not, it's it's perfectly seasoned, but if you want to kick it up a few notches, you can ask for it to be spicelicious. <laughs> and you can get that delicious fried seafood in mm-hmm. either a platter or on a poor boy. That is New Orleans hamburger and seafood. But that's not all. No, they really. Have, Tell me more. They have a uh, new thing, a new item on the menu new is... Is Joe Newthing. I've known him for years. Char-grilled oysters. They have char-grilled oysters now at their 10 locations. I've got to get over there and try some of those. Good salads and sandwiches of other kinds. They also have local specialties. New Orleans hamburger and seafood very well represents the local cuisine. Mm -hmm. Go see them at one of their 10 locations around town, New Orleans hamburger and seafood. Thank you. Thank you Today for all that encouragement. is also National Croissant Day. Is it? Do you like croissants? You know what? Um, if I never ate another croissant in my whole life, really, I would be okay. Uh-huh. But when I have a croissant, it has to be a really great croissant. What does that and consist if of? If it is a really great croissant, mm-hmm. uh, then I am impressed. But I I would not ordinarily make a sandwich out of a croissant. I wouldn't go and buy one at a bakery. I guess I guess I like them okay would be the answer to that. Um, do you remember when we were in Belgium? And Belgium. We were in. We were yeah. in. Uh, I'll never forget Gaunt. that. Or whatever. Which time? The first time or the second? The time? The second time recently, five years ago. Five years mm. ago. 
And we were staying at that Marriott in what, if you looked at it, would be Ghent. That's right. G-H-E-N-T, but they pronounce it Ghent. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and they had these croissants on the buffet. And they were the most extraordinary. I mean, you can't imagine like a buffet croissant in a hotel being great, but it was just divine, these croissants. That was like the croissant of my life. Although I did have a really good one the other day from La Boulangerie, which um, Mary Lee brought home. And it was, uh, that was a good one too. So they're out there. In, there, there are good American croissants. But, um, but no, not generally speaking, not my thing. No? No, no me neither. You, you know no. what? Can I tell a story about? Uh, no. No? I can, <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, uh, there, there was a time, and it's mostly gone now, but it might come back any minute just because of the nature of it, uh, where uh, the bigger hotels in the area would make a big fuss over their baking shop, as they called it. And this would be where they would do all the baking uh, for these big hotels and uh, and make it so elegant that uh, it would stand up for the for the restaurant or the hotel as being one of the yeah. reasons you would go there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I uh, w- was uh, talking with those guys one day. In fact, they wanted me to write an article about it. And uh, I, I told them, uh, that that uh, croissant was not as good as I like it. And they said, well, why? what is it that you're looking for? And I said, well, I don't want to have to cut it through with a knife, or do I want to uh, be able to, to, to have to tear it apart to get at it? And he said, well, you're probably putting butter on it. And I thought, well, of course you put butter on a croissant, don't you? You do not put butter on a croissant, I learned, because then it really gets tough and really um, unappealing. And I've fixed that, made that change. And I've, I, now, if ever I get one, I want it to be toasty, light, no butter hanging around, not heavy. And Anyway, that's that's my thinking about a croissant. Well, when I eat croissants, usually they are, it's in Europe where there is a... a that would be uh, a good place to yeah, look for it. Yeah, where there's a buffet with cheeses. And meats, you know, because they have their continental mm-hmm. breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I never put butter on a croissant because I have a cheese slice or some yeah. meat there to eat with it. So right. I I wouldn't necessarily be inclined to eat a, a croissant with butter. But my feeling is if you want to eat a croissant with butter, then go ahead and eat a croissant with yeah. butter. Yeah, well, yeah. Even why though not? it is made mostly of butter. But I wonder, are there any other good croissants in town? Uh, La Boulangerie is actually really good. Uh, you know, this is, again, out of town. Uh, I remember looking around once while I was in Italy, and the the sort of – I'm looking for the word that would indicate the fins of a croissant. You know how it has layers. Mm-hmm. And they have some of these that are called – Sheets. They, the sheets of croissants? The sheets, right. That's the a good dough, one. The dough sheets that get rolled up into a croissant. Yeah. Uh, and then in Italy, they make these pastries that are more or less the same idea, except that they're very, very thin. And they the, the Italian word for it means a thousand somethings. 
and it's like the layered in a thousand, and that's what it looks like. And it's very elegant and very uh, nice to look at and, and well, it's supposed eat. to be very, very difficult to make a croissant. I would, yeah, you really have you to have put to some work in. You have to have a touch for it. You do. And, and to me, a croissant is not good unless it you touch it and it flakes. Well, we'll call up some of our flaky friends. It should be very flaky, yeah. I think, a croissant. Anyway, you also have on your uh, gazetteer that these are words to eat by. You usually have a quote from someone, and there's something here that says, Bakers of bread rolls and pastry cooks will not buy grain before 11 o'clock in winter and noon in summer, and bakers of large loaves <laughs> will not buy grain before 2 o'clock. This will enable the people of the town to obtain their supply first. Huh. Bakers shall put a distinctive trademark on their loaves and keep weights and scales in their shops under penalty of having their licenses removed. And that goes back a really long time because that was a quote by Cardinal Richelieu. Cardinal Richelieu. Mm -hmm. You see, he's a guy I always like dining with. <laughs> Yeah, you have your. Uh, you used to have your people that you would like to dine with, but I haven't mm. seen that in one of your little. Oh well, you know, some days while. you've got one, and some days you don't. Yeah, is that right? Okay, there's another one. Um, Maya Angelou words to drink by. Independence is a heady draft, and if you drink it in your mouth, it can have the same effect on your brain as young wine does. It does mm. not matter that its taste is not always appealing. It is addictive, and with each drink, you want more. I never could figure out anything Maya Angelou said. <laughs> well, everybody <laughs> thinks differently. You know, that's what is it, the it. poet? It's, in the, it's up to the, the listener of the poet. You mentioned mm. bouillabaisse in here twice. I did? Yes. Well, I, I had a really good one about a week ago. Yeah? Where? It was a, 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 a did you say vichyssoise? Nope, I said bouillabaisse. Bouillabaisse. Oh, I'm sorry. Same same part of the world, but wrong. Uh, wrong we were talking yesterday item. to Pete about Pete. his bouillabaisse yeah. or his Bouille chopino. Those are the same thing, aren't they? Bouillabaisse and chopino. No, one I wouldn't say so. One is Italian and one is French. Well, yeah, they're kind of they're related, but they're not exactly the same. You don't see a whole lot of tomato in the one, the Italian style one, uh, and or you would see a lot of it in that. Um, where were we with Well, this? your word today is yeah. actually cataplana, cataplana, which is right. a Portuguese seafood stew. So I guess that's the same thing. There as was bouillabaisse the and chef who was running. Chopina. There, there was the chef who ran the the uh, restaurant in that. Uh, uh, let's see, I think it's it's a big hotel on Chapatula Street between Gerard and. Uh, uh, between uh, the Ace and, Hotel? And no. Uh, no, no, we're close. Uh, 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 the uh, one where... Um, na girl's name. Uh, Cafe Adelaide? No. You're getting closer. Oh, gosh, Tom, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't either. That's my problem. I don't know. Um, uh, it'll come to me in a minute. but A hotel? It's a hotel. A pretty big hotel takes up the better part of a whole block. Uh, um, the one of magazine. Um, no, no, excuse you said me. Chapatulas. Chapatulas. Gerard and. Gerard and the next uh, uh, Lafayette. Lafayette. Yeah, I think it would be Lafayette. I don't know of any hotel between Gerard and Lafayette. Ju on Julia. Chapatulas. Julia Street is intersecting. Oh, God. And 
Uh, no, that was a lot of work to get to one stinking tough, little. And, and I, we're still not even there. But anyway, go no. ahead. Keep going. Uh, what, what about it? What about uh, it? What was it again? I've lost. I've, I've <laughs> completely lost about, track of we're it. We're talking about Chapino. Oh, uh, yeah, Chapino. No, what the, is Arzuela? The, the, huh? Zarzuela is also part of this little write-up. There are a lot of dishes that kind of fit that category, and uh, and there are a lot of di- there's a lot of disagreement as to what a uh, the a exactly right way of doing a bouillabaisse is. Everybody's got a different idea of it. Yeah. Uh, so well, in other what words, Zarzuela. Uh, Zarzuela, that's a per- Portuguese version of it, I think. So it's the same thing. Anyway, you it say is that the, the same word thing. means not only the dish, but also the uh-huh. vessel in which it is cooked. It is a unique clamshell of mm-hmm. stainless steel with two round shells connected by a huge latch opposite it. It goes to see. It in goes the seafood. Yeah. In our part of the world, this would be shrimp, fish, clams, mm-hmm. mussels, and maybe lobster, plus smaller amounts of ham and sausage. And fish stock, tomatoes, herbs, onions, and no small amount of cayenne. It's usually on the spicy side. You, I've seen it served with the same seasoned mayo called roux in France. <laughs> <laughs> That's used both for enriching uh-huh. and spicing up the flavor. Yeah. Yeah, all of that it became very, very popular again back around... Uh, 1990-something, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing. But this was when there was a, a trend towards French cooking again. Because French cooking had almost... French cooking is hot in town right now. Oh, is it? Ever. We, they keep coming, and it's really good, too. Yeah, I mean, everything I try, I really like. Yeah, Couvent was really Couvent nice. Couvent uh, like was a huge improvement over the, what I found there the first time. Well, I, right. I liked it the first time, too, but I, yeah. I really like Couvent. I love Justine. Cafe Dega, I have never been to Cafe Dega. No. And people absolutely swear by Cafe Dega. They do, and it's a restaurant that gets better every time I go there. Mm-hmm. And has been for as long as I can remember. But it's pretty much the same place that it's been since Cafe the Dega. 70s or the 80s. When did no, Cafe earlier Dega than that, it was, it was, uh, it came from out of nowhere. It was, uh, just kind of a, a new figure on the, on the scene. Well, so did Cafe Dega predate it was, Louis XVI? It was a guy who was into French cooking who uh, has, who had as his partner, business partner, uh, a chef who really knew what he was doing. And between the two of them, they came out with this pretty French uh, restaurant and they would put in some kind of obscure items now and then. But for the most part, it was right down the middle. But it was done well enough that you could stand to eat there and, and actually really like it. Uh, mm-hmm. I always have th- thought it good and very inexpensive for the kind of food they put out. Yeah, well, they've they've you know they've been sort of the the game in town and and doing their own thing while everyone else has sort of yeah. come and gone and they've just That's been about the right. stable one. Also, that that would be true of uh, Nanu. How long's Nanu, Nanu been around? Uh, let's see, Nanu. Prep they menu. have, yeah, but that's that's a one uh, manager guy kind of operation. Uh, Danu in his category, and all the people he works with, they have an idea when they first opened up that place. It's um, been wildly popular. Wildly popular, always has been, and it it started out with the crepes, which to tell you the truth didn't move me very much. 
But well, you once don't, they you don't started, like crepes in general, or you don't like no, theirs? No, I, I like crepes all right, but uh-huh. I, I'll have one for dessert. Uh-huh. Probably, I, I'll have one uh, made with cheese if I am in Paris. Uh-huh. Or, you know, something like that. It's... Uh, it doesn't grab me quite as much, but when they far, then they started doing roasted chickens and and uh, crepes with real uh, you know uh, savory food in them, uh, they became really a force, and they still are. And I have another story to tell about them, but I can't tell it here either. Mm, wow. Yeah. A lot of stories you'll have to tell me off the air. Yeah, sure. Anyway, back to your <laughs> croissant. So the, the croissant, mm. uh, you say that the mythology of the croissant is that it was invented during the Ottoman Empire's siege of Vienna. That's right. And that it represents the crescent of the Islamic invaders. Uh-huh. A lot of people say that. And you said you don't believe that. I don't. I wasn't there to check it out, but it 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 seems to me to be. Uh, oh, it strains. They, they didn't really enter the uh, the world in uh, at least where people recognized it until the 1800s. Yeah, 1483 to be exact. Well, that's not the 1800s. So. The oh, 1800s. okay. Well, I was talking about two different. You're things. talking about the Ottoman Empire siege yeah, of Vienna. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, in and actually, it was the siege of uh, Constantinople, but we can. Mm-hmm. We can just die on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a well-made croissant is a rare mm-hmm. thing. Most of them yep. uh, that you get in the supermarkets, oh, those are dreadful. Those are dreadful. Oh, yeah, they're, they're dry. It, it, well, they, they don't even look real. They don't look real. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you have to get a croissant at a bakery. Like, uh, who has um, Shane Gorringe at uh, Zoe's. He has good croissants. Yeah, he he he's really he, he has everything. Yeah, he's right. a serious baker. And you know, I used to love Zoe's. I mean, it used to be my holy grail of bakeries. Mm. As a matter of fact, it was right up there with anything that I'd got, or better than I'd gotten in Europe. Do you what? know? Do you know who did a lot of the baking for that operation? Well, no, not really, because you're about you to say our daughter, but that's not true. She wasn't there that long. Not that long, but she no. was there. But she, and she didn't really get to do much baking. So she did. She, she decorated more than that's baking. That's your but, fantasy, but, but she didn't she, really. She got to the point where she could she could go back there and bake something for you. Well, she she could now, but you used to have to pick her up time. from because uh, she not worked like time. a three hour day or something like. <laughs> anyway, um, the croissant that that he does is is a really big one. He is. A European baker. So if you're a European baker, then you know how to do croissants. And that's mm-hmm. I think that's like what you have to have to have a really yeah. good croissant. You have to if you have somebody it's who essential. has some sort of European background, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's definitely not what you're going to find at a supermarket no. in anywhere in America. No, I agree. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, so the good ones, according to you, contain so much butter that it's absurd to add any more. They have an interesting mm-hmm. texture that a certain pull to it is quite different from bread. The yeast component, I didn't know that they even had that much yeast in a, in a croissant. They do. I didn't think they did either. And then one of the bakers told me, what do you get, where do you get this idea that we don't uh, have a you know, real pastry that we're blowing up? And I said, well, I mean, you don't need to. It just if, if by putting layer after layer after layer, the it all forms into a... Into a, you also say that the water content of the butter gives the croissant that intriguing crust that shatters into a million thin flakes. So that's why I like my 
that's why I, I guess those are the ones that I like because that's the the crusty ones that just sort of flake mm. off. But you say the temptation to warm a croissant is strong. It, it is, is for me. I would never eat a croissant that isn't warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because to um, me, they, they tend to get sort of flaccid, and I like my croissant to be flaky and to to make noise when I break it. I know. Here's a, 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 a controversy we can maybe fit in the rest of the show. Is it, uh, uh, let's see, you just used a, a, a word. Flakiness. That, uh, no, the one right before that. I don't know what. Um, Get back to what you were saying. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was a good one, too. Oh, that's oh, unfortunate. Well. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, we started the show, folks. Oh, f- f- is it F-L-A-C-C-I-D? Is it flaccid, flaccid or flaccid. is it flaccid? Uh, I always say flaccid. You say flaccid and, uh-huh. and I say flaccid. You say flaccid and, and I say flaccid. Hey, you all are losers now. Okay, we started the show with uh, with the uh, promotion of the ultimate tailgate party, and I do want to hit mm-hmm. that hard because I think it's going to be a fun evening. And uh, in Covington, we don't have a lot of things to do, so when we get something to do, it's very exciting. So on Saturday night, and we're going to mention this a lot the rest of the week, so this you're Saturday probably going to get sick of hearing about it. Yes. Yeah. This Saturday, the 24th, from 7 to 11 at the Covington Trailhead is the ultimate tailgate party. And this is where you will go for $75 and uh, get to sample mm. all kinds of food, mm. in mostly mm. barbecue, but a lot of different stuff that people who are passionate about their, tail, their tailgating will be putting forth. Yes, there is a competition to it, and you mm-hmm. can vote for it yourself. But just go on and eat and have a great time. Tough uh, All the food and drink that you can eat and drink for $75 Covington Trailhead this Saturday. That's it for us for yeah. tonight. And here comes Count Basie to convince us that this is the end of the program. Have a wonderful evening. You too. You're listening to WWL FM 105.3 HD2. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.